Adam, welcome back. How are you, man? Man, I'm great. Here we are for another episode of the podcast. Excited about it. That's right. Welcome, everyone. Uh, our mission here at the RevOps Recruiters Podcast is to provide insights and best practices around finding, hiring, and retaining top revenue operations talent. Yeah, and we're your hosts, Adam and David from RevSearch, and we've got an amazing guest with us today. Why don't you cue up a little bit about our guest? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got Dan Perry on the podcast. Uh, this is a special one for us. We've worked with Dan Perry, have a lot of respect for Dan Perry, um, brings tons of experience, uh, large companies, small companies, startups, PE backed. He's got a lot of consulting background, SBI for those that know SBI. And uh, he is now helping companies grow. And that's the bottom line. Dan helps companies grow through sales effectiveness. And he's currently the director of sales and commercial excellence at a PE firm called Parthenon. Dan, I'm going to hand it over to you. Give us a little bit more color on your background. Great to have you, man. Hey, thanks, uh, Adam. Thanks, David. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. A uh, little more color in my background for the, I guess, for your audience, uh, you know, been in sales and marketing really for now 33 years, 34 years, but who's counting? Uh, but the most important thing is I've been in PE, private equity for nearly six years. Uh, I've been doing the commercial excellence, sales excellence, value creation, resource team. There's all kinds of names for them, right? I've been doing that for, for six, it's almost six years now. Uh, what a background. And we're so excited. We've been, we've had the pleasure of working with you in different placements in the past, but it's, we're so excited to have you here on the podcast today. So David, let's kind of kick it off. Um, obviously we want to talk around revenue operations, but revenue operations just plays such a crucial role with other roles within the go-to-market function. And so let's just, let's start with that first question that we've got. Why don't you queue it up for us? So when we're thinking about, you know, PE backed companies and specifically go-to-market leaders, what does success for a go-to-market leader in a PE-backed company look like? Give us, give us so, some yeah. color around that. So it's different than a, and then a, a, a mom and pop or a privately owned company or even a, a, a stock traded or, or public company. And what I mean by that is private equity, obviously, as you guys know, and I'm going to repeat the obvious, buys companies and sells companies to make money. Right, for their investors, right. yeah. period. So a head of sales, CRO, VP of sales, whatever the title is, their job is really to create valuation for the company. And companies, depending on the industry, get traded on typically EBITDA, sometimes revenue, but mostly EBITDA dollars. So what you're doing there, what the private equity company wants is to increase the valuation of the company. They necessarily don't want to increase the revenue, although it kind of goes hand in hand, but they really want to increase EBITDA dollars, which transcends into what? The valuation of the company, more yeah. money they make when they sell the company, more money returns to the investors, and everybody goes home happy. That's really the goal. And the goal that every go-to-market leader must know is that the average in PE is two to two and a half times their money. Some people call it money over money. Some people call it cash over cash, whatever that is, two and a half times the what they want to make. Now, really good companies uh, average on a fund four, four and a half X, um, and they can sell individual companies. I've seen as high as 39 times X, but two wow. and a half is kind of the goal for everybody, right? So when you're a go-to-market yeah. leader, you have to think like that. You can't just think like a sales manager or a VP of sales that you might have had experience with in a public company 
or per se, let's say, a, you know, a, a privately owned company. Absolutely. And I, knowing that distinction is critical for folks that are either uh, going into or looking at joining in a relationship of a company that's PE backed. We talk with folks from PE all the time and it's just the distinctions are so different. So when it comes to the success of these leaders, particularly I'm thinking about go-to-market leaders, so uh, marketing leaders, sales leaders, customer success, when it comes to the success of those, we know we've experienced how important that partnership is with a RevOps leader, having someone there on the revenue operation side to really be the right-hand person to those. My question is why? Why is that so critical in a PE-backed company in this environment? Yeah. So RevOps is important in any company. I'm not going to ever say it's not, but in a PE back company, super important. Here's why. A private equity investor typically manages four, five, six, seven, eight companies all at one time. Um, Now, sometimes you have operating partners, sometimes the investors kind of doing both the role of investing and operating partner. Uh, And there's a, you know, that kind of mix. The operating, the investor or the operating partner only gets a short window to really spend time with the company. So they're looking at metrics to see how the company's performing. Um, you know, for example, they're looking at the, for a SaaS based company, the rule of 40. They're looking at the LTV to CAC ratio. They're looking at the magic number for, for SaaS based companies. They're looking at pipeline, accurate pipeline. Um, you know, revenue, organic growth, obviously, right? I can go on and on all these metrics that are looking at, but that's really important. Here's the key. A head of sales typically sucks at getting KPIs and the white, right ones uh, and accurate KPIs. So the RevOps yeah. person is really has to be there to be, to do a couple of different things. Make sure the data is clean. There's dirty data everywhere. And that is super important. Uh, and I battle that every single day, dirty data. Secondly, to, to, to measure the right KPIs, the leading, the, really the lagging leading and behavioral indicators, right? Um, and to really roll those up into a consensus, consensus placement for reporting purposes. Sometimes it's a monthly operating review with the investor. Sometimes it's only a board review. So there, those board meetings are super critical because an investor might have only one, four times a year to really think about the company and try to influence the company and, and be comfortable what he's seeing. And the rev ops person should prepare all those, those documents with all the other stuff the guy's got to do or person's got to do like compensation, quota, territory alignment, yeah. uh, the change in the go to market structure and how and the, the trickle effect on that. So, so the go to market leader is strategy. The rev ops person is tactics and that's really important. When I'm listening to you, I'm I'm thinking about some of the engagements we've done and positioned RevOps leaders in these exact scenarios that you're talking about. And a lot of it has to do with there's such a little window to success, right? When when you're it's so important to get somebody positioned faster, sooner than later, because you need to establish that foundation to be able to track those metrics. Right. So in my mind, it's RevOps leader needs to be there, needs to be touching all those processes, all those systems. Because a lot of times it's a mess. A lot of times you come in and you're like, we don't know how to track. We can't even deliver the data in the right way. So, so David, David, and I, I want to also make a point here. It's not just a Salesforce administrator or CRM yes, administrator, yes. right? Amen. Right? This is a, 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 and I say tactics, but it's more of a strategic position that tactically could reprogram Salesforce at some point in time. But the point of this person is to really 
think around the corner and say, what is my sales force, marketing force, marketing team going to need for metrics purposes? Because I got to report that back to the board. When the, when the first thing that happens, when we buy a new platform, and a platform, guys, just FYI, a platform is kind of a foundation in an industry that a private equity company can build off of. So right. we bought a platform, for example, uh, in, the, in the payment uh, place, so our Parthenon Capital did. And so we bought this platform. Now we're going to look for adjacent companies to add on to the platform, but we need that platform and the adjacent companies that we buy to grow organically. That's where the valuation really comes in. First thing I do is when I go in, I look at what's their go-to-market structure, how how are they positioned to to actually grow organically, and do they have a rev ops leader? Because if they don't have a rev ops leader, we're gonna the time it takes for all the heavy data needed by the PE company will consume either the head of sales or the CFO. And I love that you say this role is it, they need the tactical strength, the, the ability to do it, but they're more so much more than just somebody that can hop in the CRM and do a little bit of work inside of there. They really are this well-rounded, very strong generalist that's able to bring both strategy, tactics, and be the right-hand person to these other go-to-market leaders. And we've seen that happen time and time again. We've actually talked to companies that they said, we want to, we want, we need a Salesforce administrator. And we say, do you understand that you could get so much more and then they come back later and they're, they're just blown away by the value that that person's able to bring when they well, elevate it just a little bit? Adam, Adam, CRM is garbage in, garbage out, right? So <laughs> right. It, you can populate the CRM and, and whip your salespeople to, to use it or your marketing organization to use it. But if it doesn't have good data going in, you won't get good data going out. And now what happens then, if you think about that, so you're ahead of sales, you go to a board meeting, you're just going to see the investor for the private equity company, maybe four times a year, hopefully more, but maybe four times a year. And you've got a 30 minute, if that presentation, like if you screw that up, you could lose your job. I've seen that happen before. And a RevOps yeah. person gives you all that data, helps you then craft the story behind the data, and then the asks what you need. And here's another big thing that I didn't mention before. You also need to, as a go-to-market leader and a RevOps person, know where you are in the hold period. If you're a first year in the hold period, yeah, the private equity company will invest money. We just put two and a half million bucks into a company uh, to redo their website and buy a marketing automation tool uh, and really get sophisticated on their marketing efforts. That was in year one. I'm not doing that in year five. Why? Because I'm thinking about selling the company or you know, sometime year five I, I, as, a, as a baseline, but I'm thinking about selling the company. And I'm thinking about, wait a minute, why am I going to spend a bunch of money? I want to carve money out of the company to get the EBITDA dollar up so I can get more times on, on, on the, on the uh, valuation of the company and make more money. I, I want to go back really quickly, Dan, to the CRO role. So obviously we've seen a shift, um, you know, I would say post pandemic, this new go to market model, you know, people are starting to target CROs. They want this end to end holistic leader. Um, not just an in the week quarter over quarter VP of sales. Um, a lot of times though, we see VP of sales candidates going into these roles. How, how would you divide, define that CRO role? Um, let's go there. Yeah, Chief revenue officer is just that, uh, it, the chief revenue officer is responsible for all things revenue, which means any 
kind of dollar that goes into the organization they're responsible for. Well, if you think about that, that's marketing, that's new logo sales, that's cross-sell, that's upsell, that's retention, all right? Anything. So the chief revenue officer is thinking about, number one, how do I go to market through all of those functions and the way the buyer buys everything? Secondly, how do those functions talk to one another so the customer sees a seamless effort? I mean, Gartner tells us, make it easy to buy. People make it easy to buy more successful, right? Um, and the third thing that the chief revenue officer does is put the right talent in place at those levels to drive the execution of the strategy. That's what ha- that's a chief revenue officer. Ma- major, big, major thing. Three things. What does a VP of sales do? A VP of sales is sometimes in a small company, a sales manager. It's called it what it is. He's a sales manager. And what sales manager is the most important position in the company like in, in the sales force, they're the most important position in the sales force. And the reason why I say that is that they drive the execution of the process and strategy through the salespeople. That's what, that's what happens on, on the, on the quote street level, uh, uh, cliche street level. But it, that's what a VP of sales does a lot of times in these smaller companies. And that's fine, but that's not a chief revenue officer. Um, I'm at a company right now. I'm at a company right now. They're growing quickly. They went from, $30 million in revenue to $80 million, roughly $80 million in revenue in three years. That's great growth. My gosh, lightning rod, right? But they're, they're set up for a $30 million company still. So they've got, they've got different functions. They've got a marketing function. They've got a guy that's the EVP of sales, but a sales function. And then they've got a account management function. They call it account management. I, I don't like that term, but we can argue that similar time. They have three different functions. They all report to the CR, CEO. Guess what's happening? The customer's like confused, like, wait a minute, I'm getting marketing messages to sell me stuff. I get a sales guy to call on me to sell me more things. And I get another person to tell me how great you guys are. Like, why can't you just have one person? And so now yeah. they're struggling to actually get it all organized to actually go to the customer because I got three egos to play with right? That all want to have their own little feastums. That's life. And a rev ops person, go back to rev ops, over all of them can really help link them together and provide a dashboard for everybody, one dashboard for everybody to use. That is at the ground level, very good information because that rev ops person can set that dashboard up. Everybody looks at the same dashboard and start to begin to bring those people together to serve the customer in one, in one voice. Yeah. It makes so much sense. I, I love this model that we're starting to see emerge in some of the companies where even if we throw out the title, but I'm going to use the CRO title, someone who's operating as a true CRO, they're not just over the sales team, but they, and and so they make sure that they have a head of marketing operating underneath them. That's bringing them information from marketing, helping them execute, but they're driving strategy there, but they're connecting it to someone who's over sales, ahead of sales, making sure there's alignment between those two ahead of customer success. And then they have their right hand revenue operations person that's feeding all the data, tying all the systems, bringing everything and wrapping it together. So often what we find when we start talking to some of these folks, they're CROs, but then you realize, oh no, there's a CMO over here on the side that's running marketing. And there's a chief customer success officer over here that's doing this. I really just have sales underneath me. And it's not really full funnel 
all revenue. It's just sales at that point. And there's such a distinction in how some companies are truly using this role and others aren't. So by the way, Adam and David, <clears throat> I can flesh it out in a heartbeat in, a, in an interview. So their resume in an interview might say chief revenue officer. And I start asking questions and within three minutes, I know exactly they're really not. They just got the title, right? Yeah. To, for whatever reason. Yeah. What are some, I'm just curious, what are one or two of those key indicators uh, from a question standpoint that you ask them? Do you go into other funnel, other parts of the funnel or where do you dive in? The first couple of questions are typically around how do you retain customers? Tell me about your business review process. There you go. And if you're just selling new logos, you are just kind of like guessing at it. T tell me about your account-based marketing program and how effective that is and, and, and your leads to revenue. What, what, what's, your, what's your percentage of lead to revenue? Just just a couple of questions like that, and you can tell. And it's not like I'm trying yes. to fool anybody. I just want to know, right? If, if but you need to know, yeah, because or not, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's the same in the RevOps title when we're talking to folks. There's a lot of people that have the title director of revenue operations, but what we really want to know is do they have all the skills that we're looking for, or are they just doing some system integrations and mostly tac tactical work, right? And and a few questions in, you know that pretty quickly. And uh, Adam and David, think about revenue ops, right? As you think about the role, right? The revenue ops person needs to be the uh, go-to resource for everybody in the in the sales and marketing organization. And what does that mean? It means that the head of, head of sales or the CRO or the CMO go to the, the rev ops person and says, hey, I need this report. Hey, I'm thinking about this. Hey, I'm thinking about that. But then a salesperson needs to go to that rev ops person and say, hey, my pipeline uh, you know, I, I'm thinking about you know, the pipeline's not exactly right. Can you help me reforecast my, my my opportunities in the right stages? That person kind of helps everyone out, the, but that RevOps person needs to realize they're not the sales leader. So they need, and sometimes the RevOps people get this big ego about them because they touch everything and they start to say, well, I can be a sales leader. I've seen uh, people do this before. They can't. And so you're actually a salesperson and then a sales leader. So RevOps has a distinct career path. They have a distinct role in the organization, but they're not sales leaders. And so, you know, there, there are some private equity companies who hire RevOps people. Great. And then they promote them to sales leaders and they figure out why, why aren't they're not successful because they really haven't sold. Uh, another topic we wanted to get into uh, with you is this idea of AI uh, starting to infiltrate businesses, right? And and we're see a seeing a lot of use cases to unlock productivity, effectiveness, um, and there's different thoughts on AI right now, right? Uh, what are your thoughts on it and its application for go-to-market teams today? Okay, so uh, there's a lot of, to your point, David, a lot of hype around artificial intelligence. So I went to a couple of our portfolio companies and said, Let, let's flush this out. Let's just flush it out and figure out what's going to happen. So we had a, they went to the organization, they, 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 I won't name names, but they went to some very well-known CRM companies and tried to use their AI. They went to some independent companies and tried to use their AI. And then they went to some software companies who have AI attached to them. And they ran beta testing, if you want to use that term, across all of that. The big CRM companies, awful. Didn't, didn't increase productivity or barely increase productivity. Um, and it was because they're not really embedded in the data. The independent companies created great dashboards. They look really good, but didn't really increase the data. 
It's the software company where they're working with the data itself that we saw big uplifts. So I'll promote a company here. Um, we tried a company called GetScaled.com. Uh, we ran and uh, test around 114,000 contacts that we emailed to. And we went through artificial intelligence and then we went through single send. So the traditional ongoing single send, send campaign. The single send campaign ended up with a 6.17% open rate and a 0.0053 click-through rate across all you know, 114,000 contacts in a campaign, an A8 email campaign. Then we ran it through AI. And AI, what AI does, it, it changes, your emails out, and then it changes the subject line for you or the content, the length, the variables, the tone of the message, the email format, text or HTML, the, the content length ordering and formatting, the length of the custom variables, the repeat sends to engage contacts, to optimize content, et cetera, et cetera, right? And remember, it was 6.17% through single sentence. It was 55.91% open rate wow. through Holy AI. Cow. And the click-through rate went from 0.0053 to 8.11%. Wow. Smokes. Right. Now, we did this with those big CRM company AIs. No improvement whatsoever. Went from like yeah. point six uh, point um, what what did I say you know six point seven one seven percent to eight percent. It's improvement, but not yeah. nearly what I had. So artificial intelligence. What you need to understand is that there is a bunch of blasting out there, but some of it is really bad. And so you have to get AI that works with your data directly, and then enhances that that data directly through. I just mentioned marketing campaigns in this case. Could be other things. And then you have to then edit it. Autonomous yeah. AI works well in like a customer service organization when I'm responding to frequently asked questions, but that's it. Generative AI is really what we have to do, use, and you have to edit that constantly. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, if I'm thinking about how you're describing this, there's two sides of this. The first side is some companies are like, I don't want to touch it at all. It, and from that standpoint, we can't ignore AI. We can't pretend like it's not there because it is coming. It does have use cases. But on the other side, the other side of it is that whatever solution you're looking to use, you've got to test it. You've got to verify it. You've got to work with it. You may have to even try some other solution, right? You guys went through the process of trying three different types of solutions mm -hmm. for that to figure out what works for you. So just because you have access to an AI does not mean that it's going to guarantee better success or better results. So you've got to do both. You can't ignore it, but you've also got to trust it and, or you've got to verify it and not just trust that the first person, the first thing you pick is going to work. Adam and David, it's like anything else. You have to shop for the right cut vendor for you. You can't yeah. just say it's AI. It, it's, it is a chat GBT. That's one customer, one vendor, chat GBT. Get scaled, like I mentioned, is another vendor. The big CRMs are another vendor, right? You've got to look for the right vendor for artificial intelligence for you. But when you choose the right one, it can be, give you really dramatic improvements. And another another case for RevOps, right? I mean, RevOps leaders so close to all the technology, evaluating things, and also keeping their eye out for potential use cases, right? Ways to unlock that productivity David, through the, yeah. this company. This company that we I just rattled off those stats for. I told the CMO, guess what the CMO did? Told the RevOps guy, go do it. Get the RevOps guy called me. What do I need to do? 
Right. So it was the RevOps guy who did the work, not really a CMO. Yeah. I could care less, but, and I helped the RevOps person. But the point being is that the RevOps person, that CMO couldn't get, to, get that done without that person. So good. Well, this, this has been an incredible uh, conversation with you, Dan. I really appreciate you being on with us. For folks out there, if you're looking for a great connection, a great resource in PE, go look at Dan Perry's profile on LinkedIn. Dan, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Enjoyed for having, having you, man. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the RevOps Recruiters Podcast. If you found the information in this episode helpful, please consider subscribing. You can do that on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you have comments or suggestions for future podcasts, we'd love to hear them. Please put those in the comments section on YouTube. Finally, if you're looking to hire your first or next RevOps leader, we'd love to help. You can connect with us through our website at www.revsearch.io. Thanks again for listening.